This is the Husker Doc Talk podcast presented by Betfred Sports 2022, episode 29. They are in. It is official. If you're watching this on YouTube, well, you can see firsthand. If you're listening to it on Podbean, Dr. Rob and myself are officially wearing Sorry Dave t-shirts. They are in. They're they're fucking good looking shirts. They really are good looking shirts, and they're comfortable shirts. Oh my god, this is. I want all my t-shirts this material. So if you are wondering and where you can get a Sorry Dave t-shirt, and there are four t-shirts total in our store. Okay, um, we have a shirt that is uh, Sorry Dave hashtag Sorry Dave, which I think will be the most popular, right? Yeah, that's the one people have been asking. Yeah, for. people still say uh, they, they'll end tweets or they'll end emails with Hey Sorry Dave. <laughs> Uh, we have another one that just uh, is very generic, and they come in like a charcoal gray and a red, and it, they both have white lettering. Another one says uh, uh, it's called Life. Grab a helmet, which is I, I think uh, you know it, it can be life can be and a combat. A, and that was a Coach Farley line. Yeah, that was it? that was a Mark Farley, who's the head coach at Northern Iowa. Who I was doing an interview with him, and he, he's so intense. He's just into it. He's like, uh, "Hey, man, it's, it's called Life. Grab a helmet. Just get going." You know, and I'm like, "Oh, that that's really." That's that's really cool. My favorite one, actually, besides the Sorry Dave, we have another one with, I think, five different types of beer, steins, and yeah, glasses. Yeah, that's a cool t-shirt. And it says Diversified Portfolio on it. Yeah, I mean, if you like beer, it's it's it's, it's the beer guy yes. t-shirt. Yes, yes. And then there's another one that says, Win or Lose, We Drink Booze, because we drink a lot of booze on there. And we, well, at least Nebraska loses a lot. Well, <laughs> We did this weekend, but... Um, so I do want to thank our partners uh, on this one, uh, Raygun Custom. So Raygun has a store in Omaha. They have a store in Des Moines, Kansas City, Chicago, I think Cedar Rapids. Uh, it's very simple. You just go on the website, you make your order, and they'll ship it right to you. Full disclosure, all the t-shirts are 25 bucks. And this is a good quality t-shirt. It's, it's not a, a it's a comfy shirt. Yeah, it's not it a, really is. It's not a Gildan shirt. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Which every God bless them, but I mean every high school sports team, that's that's the brand they use. So if you've got a high school shirt with your kids sports team logo, yeah. cheerleading, whatever yeah. on there. That's what it is. Well, and that's the thing. You're probably going, 25 bucks for a T-shirt? Well, Jesus. First of all, we went with a really high-quality T-shirt. and you know, It's a nice shirt. And somebody's got to print it. And, it, and guess what? Somebody's going to ask you, what's the sorry day fall about? And, and that becomes a conversation starter. So there you go. when somebody asks you, you have to say, well, it's apologizing for saying fuck, shit, piss, whatever you want to say. And then you then say, hey, this is part of my favorite podcast, which is the Doc Talk Sports Podcast. And you can, and that's it's on there. It's kind of small. Yeah, it, it's kind of small. Because I, I wanted the Sorry Dave to really just, just stick out. Sorry Dave's the thing. Now, when I was talking to the, the good folks, Mike Draper over at uh, Raygun Custom, he, I go, you know, what's, what, what's your realistic expectation of selling shirts? I'm, I mean, I've never been in the t-shirt business before. My son was giving me shit because I'm like, well, I'm just going to buy a heat press and I'm going to be like the old shirt shack. Remember the shirt shacks? Yeah. You know, I, so I'm like, well, I'm just going to, you know, I can just get them all digitally printed. I'll do my own iron-ons here and we'll ship them out. And my son's looking at me, Owen's going, don't be an idiot, dad. Just don't be an idiot. Don't, don't buy something you don't need there, to there's buy. There's modern solutions to modern problems. Yeah, because then I would have like, you know, I'd have to stock t-shirts and all this other stuff. And it gets that it's a space killer. It happens quick. Now, so Mike was perfectly honest. He goes, you know, it, it, it depends. He goes, but you know, if you sell forty t-shirts, you should be happy. I said, forty? 
I maybe I have maybe it's because we have, you know, thousands of listeners each and every week and, and people have been following us for a number of years that I think more than 40 people are going to buy a sorry I hope. I mean, it's it's a cool t-shirt. And, and like I said, it, it's fucking comfy as hell. It is. So if you are looking for a place to purchase the Sorry Dave t-shirts or one of the other four, uh, click the link that's in the description on the Podbean uh, description or the description on YouTube. You won't be disappointed. Uh, you'll make the order. They'll ship it right to you. And uh, you can, and, and then once you start getting your t-shirts, buy two. I mean, well, you know, buy, don't buy, buy one. Why, why buy one? You can save buy two on shipping. or buy all four. Yeah. I mean, the, the more you buy, the, 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 you'll, you'll save on shipping, but start sending us photos of where you wear your t-shirt. I mean, it could be inside, um, it could be inside Memorial stadium. It could Get be a the lot red of different one. places. Wear it to a Husker game. My question is, do you think this one would sell? Cause I still want to do this one. Uh, Steve Peterson stuck sucks t-shirt. <laughs> and a t-shirt that says I blame Harvey Perlman uh, I actually think those would so. okay I, I will get on those and get those yeah in- there's I, I would I, I think that one would actually work I know a number I swear to God somebody on Twitter had mentioned had actually mentioned that like a Harvey Perlman one we can we can make that happen no problem man I, I mean, it's just a, it's a matter of just sending the design off and getting it up there and uh, the, it, it would be funny to see somebody show up at a Husker basketball game or a Husker football game with a I blame Steve or Harvey Perlman t-shirt. Yeah. I think it would be cla- oh, in, in that red. And, oh, that'd be awesome. And uh, the Steve Peterson sucks t-shirts. I think that would be classic. I need the law. Lo- I, I, like, we'll do a discount if you're if you can prove <laughs> you're actually currently working for or a student in the University of Nebraska Law College. And you get the Harvey Perlman. Oh, yes, because he's still teaching. People forget that he already had tenure like in, in, in the law school. So when he stopped being chancellor, he's like, well, I'm just going to take my year of sabbatical and go back to be a professor in the law school. Yeah, I think he still I think he still hangs around campus. And, and the truth, it's funny that this transition to this, because I actually got into a discussion about the coaching search at Nebraska this week. And don't worry, folks, we're going to get to the Indiana win. We've got all the time in the world. We're recording on a Sunday morning, and we're having our breakfast beer, which is a West Coast coffee and cocoa stout. It's an Iowa beer. It's an Iowa beer, and it's, and it's chocolate good. Chocolate coffee stout with vanilla beans. But it was interesting because we were talking about the coaching search, and I was talking to one of my good Iowa State friends. Who's like, you know, Campbell's not coming. They already they offered Campbell a boatload of money, and Campbell laughed at him. So then we got into this 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 discussion of unrealistic expectation of Husker fans and donors. And I said, I think you are mistaken about what has happened since two thousand and four. And he goes, What do you mean? I go, I believe, and I want your opinion on this. I believe that none of the firings at Nebraska were donor. Or fan driven, they were all administrative driven. Steve Peterson came in hundred fucking percent. Yeah, and I, I go, I go. I don't know what you've heard or what you think, but the truth is, the donors and the fans did not drive the firing of Solich. Of Solich, I don't. I do. I, they would have stuck with Bill Callahan if Steve Peterson wouldn't have gotten fired. If, if Steve uh, Peterson, I think he would have got another year. I, God, I, I don't know. The the end of that, I mean, there's some play in here. I mean, the, at, at the very end of that 07 season, it was kind of a train wreck, and I don't think there was, I, I truly don't think there was any salvaging it. Well, 
it, it, but I think that was both administration and coaching, But I mean, right? it started with administrative yes. decisions being yes. made by Peterson that led us yes. to the latter half of the 07 season. And I say that also in the sense it was administrative reasons that led to yes. the latter half of the 2017 season where the, 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 the Mike Riley era was just tanking and flames. Yep. That was, I mean, that was a Harvey Perlman, Sean Eichhorst debacle. Well, so it, that it, happened three years it, prior, and Bo two and a half years prior. And Bo Pelini getting fired was an administrative decision. That, that was an admi- and see, that's the thing. I mean, there's whether it's the, the whether the train wrecks at the end of the era or the start of the era, it started with these administrative decisions. I mean, it, you make a great point about Solich because that was nothing other than the fact that. Solich and Peterson hated each other's guts, and it was mostly, I think, more on the Peterson side. Yeah, and Steve was just like, "Yeah, this isn't my guy. I don't like him. We've never gotten along. I don't want him here working for me. I'm going to get rid of this guy." Well, four years later, it's the the tail end of the '07 season. Is that season's absolutely going down in flames, and it's. The 07 at that point, what set that off was that administrative decision. So you can't blame Callahan getting fired on fans and, and donors. It's you got to blame the end of the Callahan era. That still falls on Steve Peterson. Which, but it, it was a fascinating conversation to me because it made me realize, okay, the national or even regional perception of Nebraska is that fans and donors are unrealistic, like Auburn-like. I'm like, oh, no. The reason this hasn't worked is because the culture within the administration, both at a higher level, chancellor level, and the athletic director level, has been fucked up for a long, long time. Well, it has been, especially in terms of how they view athletics and what athletics can do for a university. Oh, sorry, Dave, by the way. Yeah, fuck, sorry. Um it was one of those things where, I mean, you go back through, I think, the better part of the 70s and 80s. I think Nebraska, from an administrative standpoint, understood what a successful athletic department does for a university as well as the types of dollars that's bringing in. I mean, you talked, you know, you've talked a lot about, so your daughter is an administrator at Ole Miss. Well, she's she's in she's a a, a market the marketing director for the housing uh, student department. housing. Yes, so your and dad was in student housing. Exactly. So she has talked at length about how when you look at enrollment numbers, which enrollment, I mean it it's that's a direct linear relationship with dollars. Well, let me re- relay the story. When my daughter went to work at, at, at Ole Miss, she came in and there were two dorm buildings that were completely empty. And they just didn't. They they had them shut down. They had them shut down because enrollment was so far down. Okay, and then the next year, she's like, "Dad, they're putting a lot of pressure on me to retain sophomores and juniors to try to stay in the dorm because that's the only way you can keep." Listen, housing and food is a is a financial driver for universities. For, for most universities, the two departments that even yes. remotely make money at all. Housing and athletics. And athletics, even then, it's a little sketch. So she's, you know, that's a lot of pressure for, you know, a young person to go, how do I retain sophomores and juniors who want to live off campus anyway? In comes Lane Kiffin. Within now two years, uh, housing is completely full and they're considering building new dorms. Well, and you had said going into, I think it was actually going into this, the 2022-23 They had no place to put people. You said they had something like 900 students that they were looking for housing for. Yes, yes. 
That's crazy. That's amazing. But that's what athletics does. I mean, it's sometimes I'm not saying you got to sacrifice the quality of academics, but sometimes you have to understand athletics. Sometimes, sometimes the tail does wag the dog a bit when it comes to dollars. Absolutely. And there are instances of this all over the country where athletics, that's how important athletics is. That's why when you see, uh, why do you want game day here? Why do you want Fox Big Noon or, or kickoff here? Why do, you, why do you even want to make an NCAA basketball tournament? Because when you get on TV and, and something good happens, people pay attention to what's going that's on. That's advertising for your school. Yes. And it's free advertising worth millions and millions and millions of dollars. I talked to Ben Jacobson. And when Troy Dannon, who's the athletic director at Tulane now, when Troy was the athletic director at UNI, um, when Northern Iowa beat Kansas in the NCAA basketball tournament, their applications for students went up like 185%. I mean, because people saw UNI on TV, they beat Kansas. One single athletic event. Yes. One game. One upset. One game. And that's the value that of athletics. But people, don't, the the academic world doesn't want to hear that. They want to believe that their tenured professors and their music departments and their engineering departments, their architectural, that's what really matters. Nebraska, it's the Harvard of the Midwest. Sure it is. It's a, <laughs> a land-grant school oh, like some there. other schools in the Midwest. Which, which I was perfectly happy with my education yes. there. I mean, it's like I was a biology major. It's not like... It's not like blood pumps in a different direction <laughs> uh, uh, up in Boston, Massachusetts. I mean, it's it's still going in the same direction. So. It, it, it is, but that that's why I know people get upset about the dollars that go into athletics and the money that is spent in athletics. But it's important for the overall survival of the university. It really is. Well, it, I mean, if you look at Nebraska, money flows from the athletic department out into. Yes the rest of the universe. So Iowa, Iowa State, yeah, yes. I think that happens at most places. So it's you can't sit here, because I see the argument a lot like, hey, why are you cutting funding to the English department? Cut it to the football team. They got enough money. It's like, no, you don't understand. The, the football team's already paying for your library. And it's not taking any state funds anyway to fund itself. Well, at least at a school like Nebraska. Yes, I mean, and it's, I, it's some yeah, do. I understand yeah, that. Yeah, some do. Nebraska doesn't. Nebraska is one of the very few that tends to run in the black most years. I mean, let's use an example of the way things can turn around. Kansas is now relevant. Kansas is now ranked and 5-0 and on the season. I guarantee you, because College Game Day is going to Lawrence, Kansas next week. It's not like Kansas had an enrollment problem anyway, right? I mean, I mean, the the the, the campus in Lawrence is one of the best college campuses in great the country. Great campus, great academics. They got a pretty solid basketball team. But now they've been wanting to redo Booth Stadium down there. It's just a matter of time before that money starts that flowing. It's a it's a shithole. It's it, it's a I shithole. I never had a problem with their stadium. I always thought it was kind of well. It's, it was a fun place to play. Now I say that that was thirty years ago. So it's the the locker room blows for the visiting team. It does. The uh, locker room did suck. Now I will say there's there's not a bad seat in the whole place, no. and there used to be a track around it. But they really want to modernize it. It hasn't been updated. In, in a way that uh, brings it up to, I don't know, what, what should we say, you know, 2022 levels. Not even close. But the which, mu- which, honestly, in that sense, it was ancient. I mean, when we played there in the 90s, it was old and completely outdated by 1990s-era tech when we played there in the 90s. I mean, the only thing they've done is they put on a really nice press box and they got a, a, an indoor facility in the back. 
So, I, I mean, but what I'm saying is the money, more people will become attracted to Kansas University because the football team, people want to go where it's fun. You know, when it, Owen well, was going to school when, at KU, there was nobody fun. at the games. Yeah. There was like 10,000 people. Winning's fun. It, it, it really, really is. Speaking of winning, Nebraska finally got a win in the Big Ten uh, last night. We're recording this on Sunday. Uh, beating Indiana, Rob. and uh, <laughs> I see you just pulled the grades up. Well, I, I pulled the grades up because, believe it or not, I, I had this idea. I was driving home. This is after the first game. I'm just trying to, you know, how can we get more engagement on, on social media? and all this other stuff. And I said, Rob, why, why don't you do a, a report card? And lo and behold, Rob, your weekly report card on, on games is one of the most like people wait for your report card to come out. And you're a tough grader. Well, I'm trying to be honest here. I, so yeah, I'm trying to leave a way to phrase this. I mean, it's one, I want to be realistic. True. And there is a difference between winning a game and winning a game against a good team. I mean, there's good wins, there's ugly wins, there's bad wins. There's there's losses where uh, I'm trying to think of a way to phrase this. Um Kent State's loss to Georgia was a good loss. They hung in there with a really good SEC team till the end of the game. And that's you know, I I hate the whole good loss analogy, but I mean, there's factors that play into this other than just the win or the loss. I mean, and even in a bad loss, there there were things I looked at in that Oklahoma game where I mean, I kind of flunked everybody for the most part that week. But by the way, Oklahoma's shit. Yeah, they're not a very good team. Which again, it goes back to the whole. I know we keep jo- a lot of people joke about the Nebraska curse. Here, where what is it? It's sort of like that movie, The Ring. It's like you, you watch them play. You're do- like within a week, you're doomed. Um, God, yeah, Oklahoma. That's back to back losses. But I mean, TCU just dismantled that defense. And I actually thought that was the better part of that Oklahoma team was the defense. I mean, I, we were watching the Iowa game yesterday. And here I'm watching Max Duggan, the quarterback from TCU, who's from Council Bluffs, Lewis yeah. Central, going, you know. Lewis I'm, Central, does, sorry, Dave, does not fuck around. And, and here's the deal. I, 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 I'm watching Spencer Petras, not very good. And now he was serviceable yesterday, but he didn't, didn't make any big plays. I'm watching I'm watching Max Duggan just run all over the place, throw all over the place. I'm like, that's the type of. Why did we not get that? That's game? what I was thinking. It's exactly you, what I was thinking. You do realize I got plenty of buddies who are Nebraska fans who sit around and wonder, like, I mean, this was going back two, three, four years ago, going, why did Max Duggan not go to Nebraska? Well, they hardly talked to him at all. They put yeah. zero interest into his recruitment. And Adrian Martinez was a guy. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I get that. You don't want to, I mean, the same reason he didn't go to Iowa State because Brock Purdy was there. He wasn't going to yeah, make a Yeah, but dent. I mean, it's, there's kind of this mindset I have about recruiting where if, if you want to be a good school, if you want to do justice to your fan base and to your mission as an athletic program, you got to lock down the local guys. I 100% agree. I, I mean, I look at the guys who've come out of Nebraska, when you look at Avante Dickerson going to Oregon. You look at Micah Riley Ducker going to Auburn. You look, um, oh, geez, the other Bell West kid who went to Oklahoma, playing tight end down there. You look at Keegan Johnson going to Iowa. I mean, you look at all these guys who've gone to other schools over the years. The thing that 
that, that I worry about is when I look at this, so, so there's like four or five power five guys I just rattled off all right there. You got Jay Ducker, who's down at Memphis. I mean, he'd, he'd be at worst a really, I mean, he'd be a good third down back for Nebraska right now. It'd be nice having these guys stay in the area, and they just don't put that kind of emphasis into keeping a lot of these local guys here. A lot of lip service has gotten paid to it over the past several years. It hasn't really happened, though, and that's the thing I worry about. Before we dive into the grades, I do want to remind everybody that the Doc Talk podcast is presented by Betfred Sports. Uh, I'm telling you right now, online gambling is coming to Nebraska, and online sports betting will be here. And when it does, Betfred Sports will be in the state of Nebraska. I promise you that. Hope Brian Bennett's not mad at me that I just made that promise. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, Betfred Sports is now live. Brian on, 100% guarantees that. Yeah, we're, we're putting words in his mouth. But uh, Betfred Sports is in Iowa. So if you're in the eastern Nebraska uh, area, you could drive across the... And you want to hang out at a strip club. Or you can go, or you can just you'd go over on Broadway and do that. But, yeah, you're right. The strip club on the way to the airport, uh, half of it is in Iowa. The other half the, is in Nebraska. Just go on the Iowa side. It's geotagged. It knows exactly where you're at. Download the app in the Apple and Google Play stores, and you can uh, just start off fresh with a free bet. That means when you download the app and you set up a brand new account, uh, enter the promo code DOCTALK, and we're going to give you a $20 free bet. That's a $20 free bet. That $20 free bet's good in the state of Iowa. It's good in the state of Colorado. It's good in the state of Arizona. Um, it's a great player experience, and their customer service department is second to none. And the truth is, uh, they love sports. And, and Betfred is, it, now you're going to go, it's a UK company. But I'm telling you, man, they you can bet on anything from Korean baseball, Chinese ba- or uh, 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 Japanese baseball, uh, rugby, Which the next tennis. time we have a COVID shutdown, yes. Korean baseball. Uh, ask, we were all watching Korean baseball. Ask Kyle Peterson For months that. there. But, uh, and if you want to know more about Bedford Sports, watch our Behind the Point Spread show live on YouTube, uh, 8 o'clock on Wednesdays. Uh, and with Scott Spreitzer out of Las Vegas. But uh, Betfred Sports is the presenting sponsor of the Doc Talk podcast. And always good to have Connor Orr, our NIL, exper- or, or, or NIL, NIL expert on board. He's a litigator. He's an attorney with Orr, Horgan, and Flinte. And uh, we'll be hearing from Connor shortly. He's uh, He's got some deals he just signed up. And always, I was over at Husker Hounds. Believe it or not, are you ready for this? My daughter Mary became the first justice child to get a Nebraska sweatshirt. Smart kid. Now she 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 didn't get it with Huskers on it. It only said Nebraska on it, but it's black and it's red. And she goes, I don't want it to say Huskers. I know, but that some people would say, you know, I I went into Scott. And it's in, not like she's going to wear it to a Hawkeye game. People are going to be like, <laughs> oh, you're a Hawkeye fan. So, uh, so I was down at Husker Hounds the the other day, uh, and Scotty's just a, he's a great dude, and so much selection. His I mean, that product 80, line is awesome. That eighty fourth Street store is massive. It's a great store, and the thing I keep going, the thing you know, as big of a Husker fan as I am, and I mean, obviously, it's called Husker Hounds. You know yes. what it's geared towards. He'll get anything for you. I mean, if you go in there and you're like, hey, listen, can you get this and this but in Iowa State? He'll get it yes. for you. I mean, the story I always tell, I got my favorite winter park. It's one of these. He carries a whole line of Columbia gear. Like I said, his stuff is nice stuff. So I love the big uh, layered Columbia brand parkas. Uh, and so Joel Wilkes saw it. One of his kids, they, they live in Portland, Oregon. His kids are, they're, they're, you live in Oregon. You're Oregon Ducks fans. 
He was like, I need that, but I need it in Oregon Ducks, not Nebraska for my kid. Dude, one call to Scott. Scott got, Scott got him an Oregon Ducks version of it. You can get anything. Yeah. I'm, like right now, I'm I'm like, I need to find out if I can get that, but for like Augustana. Because it's going to get cold up there quick. It's well, still, it was 70 degrees and sunny yesterday for the game, but it's going to get cold quick at some point. It's going to start snowing up there well, in Sioux Falls, and I'm going to need an Augustana version. But look at it this way. Ryan is redshirting this year, so there could always be one of those cold days you go, you know what, Ryan, you're not playing. So <laughs> your mom and I are just going to stick around at home this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Like, hang on. We're probably more. Are you a helicopter parent? Not a helicopter parent by any means, but we like the experience of it. It's, I mean, they just kind of, they do it right up there. Well, it's the tailgating's a blast. The parent community, like there's a really strong football parent community up there and they do not, sorry, they fuck around with the tailgating. It's awesome. See, that's what, and I never wanted to be the helicopter parent, but you're, you're right. There is something about that college atmosphere. Now, my daughters went to New Orleans, and it's right? Fun, which is, a, yeah, that was what I was going to bring up. You can't tell me you don't sit around and think, it's like, oh, God, let's take a trip to New Orleans. Well, We're going to hang out. When Owen was at KU, place. I wanted to go down all the time, yeah. but, but he didn't want me down there. He's like, yeah, I don't <laughs> think I He's over on the other side yeah, of the screen, yeah, he's like, like I don't rolling th- his eyes right now. And when we did come down, I, you know, I never got the feeling that, you know, hey, glad to have you guys here. <laughs> but I mean, from a parent standpoint, there's a lot of that stuff. It's like, like with Augustine, I'm like, I want to go check out some volleyball and basketball. They're going to have D1 hockey, not this year, but the 23-24 That's a big year. deal. It's going to be a – there's they got hockey going in. The arena's going up right on campus. They're going to have their own arena. It's going to be massive, and it's going to be beautiful. Let me guess. Stanford Health is, is building that? It seems, like, uh, it seems like Stanford Health is building everything up there. You know – but Sanford pumps a lot of money into the community in general up there. So you got Sanford, Avera, two big health corporations. University of Sioux Falls, Augustana, both those schools very well supported by those by those corporations. Um, I'm I'm having a complete mind blank now. I got to. I got I got to look up the arena now because there's also Midco, which is yeah. a, which is a media company up there, um, and there Midco's got Midco actually has an office here in Omaha as well too. I'm pulling up my Augustana Vikings app. Look at you! Look, I got the app. Um, but yeah, I got to look that up with the arena. It's I'll figure it out, but it's, it's, I can't remember if Sanford actually, if if it is in fact Sanford, I know they've got a title sponsor. I got I'm a little embarrassed that I don't know this off the top of my head. It's It's, okay. It's still being constructed. They're not playing yet. It'll be coming, but, um, it's fun. I mean, the, the whole kid in college thing, I mean, I got tons of Florida state gear at home. I mean, my oldest daughter is a senior yeah. at Florida State. She's on the rowing team there. It, it's fun. All of a sudden, we're like following Florida State academics. We're following Florida State athletics. It's that that's cool stuff. We have fun with it. So Nebraska beats Indiana, thirty-five uh, twenty-one. Improves to two and three on the year. One and one in the Big Ten Conference. Uh, Nebraska runs for. Uh, Anthony Grant actually had 32 carries, gained 142 yards. He netted um, 136. Now, because of 
sacks and everything else like that. Nebraska ended up with a... It's uh, like 115. 115. Rushing. But let, let's look at Anthony Grant. Time of possession, by the way, was great as yeah, well. Too. Well, the, oh. the ability to run the football with Anthony Grant at 136 and the time of possession is a huge deal. However, you gave the running game on your doc's diagnosis report card a B-. minus. Explain the B-. minus. Okay, well, it's... So there's a lot of things have to play into this. And so one thing you have to take into consideration is who you're playing. And Indiana does not have a very good defense. I mean, if you want to go out there and punch out a crap ton of yardage, I mean, here's my question. You Okay, let's take a 19, an early 90s Nebraska team. Yeah. If we get 350 yards rushing versus Oklahoma or Colorado, is that more impressive than Nebraska getting 390 yards rushing versus, let's say, a bad KU team. Yeah, 350 against Oklahoma or Colorado is way better True. Than, th- than 400 yards against a shitty Kansas team. Okay. You got to take that into consideration. I mean, that plays into the grade. Indiana's not a very good defense, they are not good at all. And Nebraska, I mean, there were times Indiana's defense rose up and did get some stops. I thought Nebraska's interior O-line did a very solid job. I like what Hickson's doing. The more I watch, the more I appreciate what Trent Hickson is doing for Nebraska right now. And if if you're a fan of of O-line, Nebraska football, lineman history, and what's going on down in Lincoln over the years, Start paying attention to Hickson a little bit because you got a guy who was originally a walk-on, earned a scholarship, now has the starting job at center at sitting at guard for several years. I, he's like a ninth-year guy, I think. Um, but he's doing a solid job in the middle there, and he's doing it with kind of this rotating lineup of new dudes at guard where he's gone from like Corcoran and Bando to Lutoski to now you've got Ethan Piper. I mean, it's just, it's this complete mix at the guard spot. Um, to be able to kind of hold the center of that line together with that rotation of kind of some unproven guys at guard is not an easy thing for a center to do. And this is his first year starting doing it. So I really appreciate what he's doing. The tackle spots, you know, we're going to talk about that a little bit, but if you really want to see my breakdown on the tackles, watch the diagnosis here, uh, which are those are going to start popping up. On yeah, Monday, so the, fr- the, so. the first one will be up uh, Monday, uh, Monday morning, 7 a.m. They come out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, every day at 7 o'clock in the morning. Uh, you can find them on Husker Max. Uh, you can also find them on our YouTube channel. And uh, the first one is going to be your break. It's three different plays. Usually we do one play. We do three different plays here, really focusing on the on, on the tackle position uh, for the Huskers. It, it is now. And again, the ones we focus on with the diagnosis are all pass plays. But it's just the run blocking was not really, really solid there either. Indiana was able to establish an edge on several run plays, several outside run plays. And that was kind of the main reason I downgraded them. The other reason I downgraded the running game a little bit was because you still have guys like Anthony Grant, Gabe Irvin was out there, had some nice plays. These guys are doing a really good job with not the greatest blocking availability. And so they're I don't want to say they're completely making their own holes, 
but they're they're taking advantage of some very okay blocking up front to get some pretty impressive yardage. I honestly, I think B minus is a little generous. That's a little generous in my opinion. So the passing game gets a B minus as well. Uh, Casey Thompson, eighteen of twenty seven. That, that's that's good. Two hundred seventy yards. Had two TDs. Had did have one interception. He got sacked three times, and you do have to factor that into the passing game. I will say this though, as far as the passing game goes, Trey Palmer was a bitch yesterday, man. He, he wasn't. The, but that's again the thing is where when you're when you're grading out a, when I'm grading these. It, I'm not just looking at, hey, did the quarterback have a great game? Did a couple of wide receivers have a great game? Yeah, they did. Um, one of my favorite guys on this team is Travis Vokalek at tight end. Guy, he had a lot of drops. He did. Now, some of these passes, the the ball was not in the greatest spot. He was still able to get his hands on the ball, though. And some of those, you, you just got to make that catch. There was a lot of drops there at the tight end position. They get downgraded a little bit for that. The other thing they get downgraded for, when I'm grading the passing game, I'm grading the offensive line to a degree as part of that. Now, I do separate out the O-line. But I'm but I'm grading the O-line on both the run game and the passing game. That factors in as well. And so if the offensive line does not have a great day with pass protection, that's going to show up in that overall passing game grade as well. And there were several plays when... Again, it was sort of a feast or famine much of the game. Thompson either had all day long to throw or he had or he was getting sacked. It was one of the two. There wasn't a lot of in between. There was not a lot of consistency there. And that lack of consistency is the reason that got downgraded. Offensive line, uh, C minus. I think that's an improvement over the last four games, but it's it's not stellar. And again, as you break down in the diagnosis, uh, ben Hart and Corcoran suck. They're, they are. And so it's reached a point <laughs> I, I'm in I'm a little more mind. blunt than you are. Well, it is, but it's re- I'm going to get maybe even more blunt than you are. It's reached a point, we talk about this again in the diagnosis, that these guys have become what I consider a liability. So maybe they know the plays better than the other tackles on the team right now. Maybe they're understanding of the offense, who they're playing against and with is better than other guys on the, on the team right now, but their inability to consistently pass protect has become a liability and you're seeing big hits on Casey Thompson. Casey's getting hit and those add up and you're going to look at a guy who's going to get injured here because of those two offensive tackles. You're seeing points being given up. So you had a sack of Purdy that led to a fumble in the end zone that Indiana recovered to score a touchdown and keep themselves in the game. That's a liability on those tackles. And we're seeing this on a consistent basis. It's not like these guys had a one bad game. Every week we could do a docs diagnosis on the problems with Corcoran and Ben Hart at tackle. Is that coaching or just ability at this point? 
Well, so we kind of go into that as well, too, during the diet. You got to watch call, the folks. fucking diagnosis. This is what, so. So, sorry, Dave. This is what we call, by the way, a deep tease. So we want you to listen to the podcast, but we also want you to go watch on our YouTube channel. And if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel yet, please do. We're almost to 1,000. We'd like to be to 1,000 by the end of the week. Go watch the fucking diagnosis. Sorry, I go over this stuff. Yes, he's a smart dude. So I'll, I'll draw it out for you. But, I mean, there's stuff where you see. So a couple things happen in the game. Ben Hart has a couple of series that are so bad they yank them. And for the first time during with meaningful time in a game, you see Hunter Anthony get put in. So for the people who don't follow as closely, uh, he was a tr- he was a portal transfer. I guess all transfers are portal transfers now, but he was a portal guy, came from Oklahoma State. He had started the better part of a season down there, I think, at one point in his career. Um, he had some injuries. Some other guys came back from injury. He lost his starting job. Didn't look like he was going to be able to get it back with who he had in front of him, and so he ended up transferring. The guy can play football. He's not. He, this guy is not a bad football player by any means whatsoever, so he's somebody I was interested to see how he looked. This was the first game he got meaningful time, and it was essentially because Ben Hart was so fucking bad. They had to yank him. They put in They put in Anthony, and I thought he was really solid. I mean, I thought he was very consistent. I thought he did well. I was, frankly, kind of excited. to. I want to see him stay in there because I'd be curious to see how he does going forward. He may not know the plays or offense or the system as well as Ben Hart, maybe, but his understanding of some football basics appears to be way better in terms of picking up stunts, basic run blocking, some of these skills that you got to have that I just don't see Ben Hart executing on a consistent basis. I did see coming from Hunter Anthony. Now, on the other side of the ball, you saw Corcoran, who had back-to-back personal fouls, which, one, you're stupid if you get back-to-back personal fouls. Because if you get one, you better be watching yourself like, eh, maybe I need to pull back a little bit and not get a second one here. He gets a – they called it a punch. He, he basically knocked pancaked a guy – and then sat there and kind of like shoved his hand down, shoved the guy's head back down into the turf. The rest called it punching. The announcer said he slapped the guy. He was basically shoving the guy down into the turf with his face mask. You got to be smarter than that, especially when you just gave up a personal foul. So now two straight plays, you're responsible for 30 yards of lost yardage, and you just got yourself kicked out of the game. Income incomes Banks, who is probably better known for filling in on Nebraska's basketball team than he is for playing football for Nebraska. They put him in at left tackle. He did solid. I, I mean, again, it was it's it's a small sample size. It's not like we're looking at Banks going like, oh my God, this is the second coming of Anthony Munoz. It's like, no. But he did solid, and in terms of executing fundamental football play from that left tackle spot and keeping guys off of uh, off of Casey Thompson, he did a good job at that left tackle spot, and I was frankly kind of impressed. Again, these two guys may not know the offense as well, but you're going to have a hard time making the argument to me that they're less 
less of a lot or more of a liability rather than what Corcoran and Benhart are. I think most people on your report card, which you can find on Doc's uh, Twitter page at Doc Talk Sports, were surprised at your C plus for the defense because I thought that was kind of generous too. <laughs> and this is why people want to know your grading scale because this defense held Indiana to 290 yards. Not horrible. No, not for an Indiana offense. I mean, they, they, they'd like to throw the football. Yeah. Around. So let's break this one down a little bit. And, and again, they completely shut down Indiana in the second half. I totally get that. I, I mean, I'm not denying that, but let's talk about a few things here because you have to take into account who you're shutting down. And Indiana's not a very good team. Now, they've, they've put up a shit ton of yards. The 3-1 the and one record they brought into Lincoln, that's... Seriously, that's smoke and mirrors. They're not that good. This is not like, I don't know, this is not like the third place team in the SEC. This isn't Michigan. This isn't Ohio State. It's, I mean, they should have lost to Illinois. If you watched that game, they should have lost to Illinois. Illinois is still trying to figure out how they lost to Indiana. Um, They've got no run game. I actually like their running back. Indiana's running back. He's kind of one of these Darren Sproles-esque guys if you watch That's, him play. Uh, well, is it Sean Shivers or, or Jalen Lucas? Uh, Shivers. Shivers. And we showed him last week on the diagnosis. Yeah. yeah. So I, I actually I really like Shivers. And thinking the, the dude's pretty solid. It's um, But they're not a great running team. I, I mean, it's you're they're not going to go in and get 320 yards True. on the ground. Um, if they get 100, they are freaking ecstatic. That's a great day. They want to put yards up through the air. And so you've got a team in Indiana that's not very good to begin with. They've got a very mediocre running game. They're not going to gash you with the run. They're going to hit you with the pass, and Nebraska knew that coming in. And, oh, by the way, their top two wide receivers are both out injured. So this is a completely handicapped team. You know they're not going to beat you with the run. They're going to try and do everything through the passing game. So you know exactly what they're going to do. You know what? They're putting all their eggs into one basket. That's what you've got to stop. And their top two players are out. you got to take that into consideration. I mean... It's in the real world. Everything's a little bit on a, a little bit on a scale here. On a curve. Yeah, I'm grading on a curve here. So, it's if Nebraska did what they did to Indiana, you do that against Michigan or Mich- or, or Ohio State or, I mean, name it. Not even a great team. Name an okay team for me right now. An okay team. Yeah. Name name a solid team. Kansas. Okay. You do that against Kansas, yeah, I'm giving you an A-. minus. You do that against kind of a, a very okay, mediocre me, Indiana team, okay, that's C-plus. That's not bad. And, and because Kansas offensively is good, I, I, you know, I could have thrown out like NC yeah. State or something like that, yeah. right? and it's one game. I, I mean, they do this for the next six games in a row. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crank your grade up on that. But, I mean, it's one game against a shitty Indiana team with no running game and your top two wide receivers injured. No, I'm not giving you a B-plus for that. So the next grade was the was the special teams, which had a block punt that went for a touchdown, and you still are giving them a B-plus. 
I think, again, watch the diagnosis because I go over why I think that block happened. And I think there's a little bit of a bad call. I, I think it was like Nebraska against Iowa last year where Iowa blocked that punt. I think they had the protection called to the wrong side of the field on, on the punt play. Um, and so that helped Nebraska a little bit. On the whole, it's been solid. Has it been perfect? No. I, I mean... I want to see some returns here. The blocking on the returns has been okay. It hasn't been great. And I want to see a kick returner for Nebraska basically say, hey, listen, we're, we're going to Mornay Pearson L here, and we're going to take it to the house, and we have not seen that yet. So I want to see the return game step up significantly here, and that's kind of why I haven't bumped them into that A range yet. And, and again, like I said, all of this is on a curve they did great against a mediocre team. And you yourself are the special teams for a fairly mediocre team in Nebraska. I mean, and calling Nebraska mediocre right now is a little bit, again, they're not, they're not a very good football team. So for me to call them mediocre, I'm, I'm, I'm maybe being a little nice there even. And the overall grade was a C. And I think people were again shocked by that with a 35-21 win. Well, and if you and if you average all the other grades, but I've told people a thousand times there's my, intangibles in there. My overall is not the average of the previous categories. It's it takes into a lot like the overall is where like, okay, coaching's going to that, other intangibles, quality of the opponent, all of these things are going into that overall grade. And when I when you look at the overall for Nebraska, um, I thought the coaching was pretty good. I thought defensively, I was frankly a little bit pleasantly surprised. I mean, you're giving Bill Bush the reins as the D coordinator with two weeks to get ready. Um, that's not an easy task to do. And so, I mean, I'm actually giving you a little bit of credit there. A lot of the reason it's a C. I mean, C's get degrees. I mean, C is average. You know what they call the last guy, the guy who finished dead last in medical school? Doctor. That's right. Exactly. But that's that the, wasn't you, by the way. No, it wasn't. I was. I, I did pretty <laughs> solid. But but that's that factors into this. And so I mean, when you're looking at this, I mean, an A grade would be a win over a over a team that's in the top twenty five. You you beat a top twenty five team. I'm going to give you a B plus or an A. You know, you beat a crap again. You beat a crappy Indiana team at home, who has no running game. Their top two players on offense, arguably top two players on offense, are both out injured. And they don't. And Indiana doesn't have a very good defense either. I mean, that's a sketchy defense. They're not going to stop anybody. In their, they've got two losses now. I, I mean. In both losses, that defense got really exposed. In their three wins, they got exposed to a degree as well. Indiana put up a crap ton of yardage on them. It's, I'm sorry, Illinois put up a crap ton of yardage on Indiana. So that defense has been consistently exposed. You have to take these things into consideration when you're giving this team a grade. 
Rob, it gets really interesting from here on out. By, by the way, getting a win was just, that's a moral victory and a, a, a moral boost. For, and for and it is. And there's some intangibles there that you just, I mean, getting a win, period. It's But it's we're kind of in this weird situation for Nebraska where you've got all of this disarray, all of these changes, and arguably the two worst opponents on your schedule back to back with with Indiana and Rutgers. Now, but the interesting part of this is 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 it's a dynamic of the of the Big Ten West, and I li, listen. My Iowa people, my Iowa buddies, can get mad at me for saying this. <laughs> the Big Ten West is so bad that anybody can win this thing. I'm telling you right now. Every, right. And, I mean, and if you look week, at Nebraska's schedule, the way it's setting up. Nebraska is not a good football team. Nobody. Let, let me preface this by saying nobody in the West is a good football team. Nobody. There's not a good football team in the West. Yeah, Nebraska is particularly not very good. But, but Nebraska could win this based on its schedule. At Rutgers, at Purdue, Illinois at home, Minnesota at home. The only guaranteed loss to me on the schedule here is at Michigan. Michigan's pretty good. Yeah, they are. And I... Want, I, I I, I agree with you. I just it, it's bizarre because, it, it, and this is going to get into the coaching search is uh, coming up because you this could be smoke and mirrors, right? You could you could easily win at Rutgers. You could win at Purdue. I don't think you win at Purdue, but you could win at Purdue. It's kind of had Nebraska's number. Illinois destroyed Wisconsin at Wisconsin yesterday. Minnesota lost to Purdue Which yesterday. Indiana should have beat. Well, I'm sorry. Illinois should have beat Indiana and managed to lose to them. Minnesota with with Ibrahim is a really good football team. Without Ibrahim, who didn't play yesterday, do you know what the injury was? I don't, okay. and, and I, I can try to find it as we're talking here. Michigan looked good yesterday. Uh, their offensive line, big defense, did a really good job against Iowa. But Iowa's offense is horrible. Defense is is decent, but. Michigan was able to run the football effectively on Iowa, which meant to me Iowa's defense isn't elite. It's good. It's just not elite. Wisconsin, we had Scott Spreitzer throw out there on behind the point spread last Wednesday. Said, "Hey, you know when Paul Chris gets fired?" We were both like, "Whoa, dropping a bomb!" Wait a minute. And now I'm like, "Oh, he he might <laughs> he be knows right. Something. He might be right because getting beat at home like they got beat yesterday." is not acceptable in Wisconsin people. And then the Iowa game. Listen, I think Iowa has a defense that will keep it in every single game. Nobody's going to blow out Iowa. Even Michigan didn't blow out Iowa yesterday. But that's a winnable game. I'm not going to I'm not going to sit there and go, "Oh, Iowa's guaranteed to beat Nebraska." That, that the, every game on there with the exception of Michigan is a winnable game. Every one of them. Yeah, there's no guaranteed other than other than Michigan, there's no quote-unquote guaranteed losses. I agree with you there, which is kind of interesting because usually we talk about, hey, who are we going to win against? We've got no guaranteed wins, but, but no I guaranteed agree, but and only one guaranteed loss. Yeah, but I agree with you, that's the only guaranteed loss on the schedule is is that Michigan game. Now, but which is great because you want to win a conference. You want to win a division. You want to get to the Big Ten title game. You're going to get your ass kicked by either Ohio State or Michigan. I mean, that's just that's you're going to get drilled. You really think Nebraska's got a shot to go to? The- I do. And I, I, I listen. I I think I snickered at the Omaha World Herald <laughs> that threw it out there last week. I'm like, huh. But then you start once Minnesota got beat by Purdue, and you start going, well, hell. And then you look at the schedule up and down the whole West Division. Wisconsin gets pounded at home. You're like. 
Nobody in the West is good. Well, then maybe Nebraska is one of these sort of wounded animal teams that they can they they can latch on with what they've got with with Mickey and maybe what if Whipple kind of keeps developing this offense a little bit. The long ball was fun. I mean that Trey Palmer had that seventy yard touchdown. Yeah. If they can if they can be one of those teams that can kind of keep opponents on their on their heels a little bit with those types of plays. They got a chance to be in any game, I think. Uh, Ibrahim is out with uh, an injured ankle. He has 567 yards in four games. The dude's a player. Oh, the guy's amazing. That Achilles t- injury, though, was, was a little scary because that's one of those things where it's kind of one of those freak injuries that nobody has to touch you and you can still get hurt. He has another one of those, and he's out for the year again. Um but God, yeah, he's incredible player. That's a game. That's a true game changer. Now, Oscar fans are interesting because, and this is an interesting season. I point out, and, and this is kind of leading me into this discussion, is that the more they win, the more you're going to have a fan groundswell support for Mickey Joseph. You have to look at the remaining schedule. Every team sucks. Horrible, with the exception of Michigan. Now, James writes in this morning, he says, the players want Mickey and we in Hell's Kitchen want Mickey as head coach. It's the first game we've uh, seen in five years where everything could have gone south, even at home, but the players responded on both sides of the ball. It's time Nebraska had a blackhead football coach. His attitude is infectious. He clearly knows how to motivate players, and most importantly, uh, he was taught by the greatest uh, coach Nebraska has ever known. Hold on for a second. So was Scott Frost. All right, he was. He, I, I, I mean, fair, fair point. Yes. Thus, here's a question: How long has it been for you since you felt this positive after a win? Do you feel positive after a win? Not really. I, no, I mean, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with a lot of what we're saying here. Well, um, he, but he goes on to say, Mickey clearly knows what it takes to win the Big Ten. Bullshit. You beat Indiana. <laughs> you got one win. He's one and one as a head coach. Now, I'm not saying he's not the right guy for the job. I'm just saying you got to back up and let this thing play out and look at the remaining schedule and go, we're playing everybody's a bad football team but one. So let's extrapolate a little bit, Peter, because here's where the real discussion is. What if Nebraska does – now, can you pull up the Nebraska schedule here? So – um, at Rutgers, at Purdue. So, so let, let's do this. Let's say they beat Rutgers, lose to Purdue, beat Illinois. Um, let's say they let's say Ibrahim's out and they shock Minnesota in Lincoln, lose to Michigan, beat Wisconsin, and then you know what? In a massive upset in Iowa City, it wouldn't be that massive. Oh, I know. You, you knock off Iowa. So let's so that would be one, two, three, four, five, five more wins. That gives you that gives you seven for the season. You're bowl eligible. So now you're so you're gonna finish the year seven and five, which a lot of people had said, hey, if Scott Frost goes seven and five and goes to a bowl game, saving his job. Saves his job another year. So uh that all of a sudden now, yeah, that's when shit gets interesting as far as, well, what are we going to do with the whole Mickey Joseph thing where he's the interim and 
do you replace that then? Does Trev give Mickey another year or two and say like, okay, well, let's just, we're going to keep this inter, this interim thing going for a year now. How are you going to play into that? Um, yeah, that that's when things get interesting to me. Now, I mean, even six and six, if they go six and six again, I'm going to sit back and go like, okay, well, that's still kind of interesting because six and six, Odds are they go six and six, they're going to get a bowl invite. I mean, it might be absolutely. To, it might be to a Foster Farms equivalent again. I mean, go to the Bahamas like, Bowl or something like. Yeah, that. but it's a it's it's a fucking bowl game. Sorry, Dave. Uh, and that again, there was a lot of talk that hey, Scott goes six and six and goes to a bowl game. We should keep him. We should keep Scott in place. So that's where it gets interesting is if you have something like that. Now, if, if Nebraska finishes four and eight, even even five and seven, I, I think it gets hard to point at Mickey and say, hey, we're going to hold on to you. Now, I'm not, I don't say that in the sense of downgrading Mickey. Coming into this situation, almost anything he does – to stave off a complete and utter meltdown on both sides of the ball. In my mind, that's a win, and he and he went above and beyond. He goes, he likes the way Mickey holds players accountable. I think we have our next head coach. He just needs time. You've said that about everybody that's been there over the course of time is they need time. Listen, I'm not again, I, I'm not saying he's not the right guy for the job. He does seem to have a better um uh, relationship with players, and there is something about the raw rawness. But again, never been a head coach before. But yeah, and the, the sample size here is incredible. Yes, while you've got, I, I'm willing to throw out the Oklahoma game. Scott had just been fired. You got a game of the week later. Um, I'm not saying Oklahoma's good. They've looked ugly the last couple of weeks, but they've got some amazing athletes. And I don't think the Oklahoma that we've seen the last two weeks is the Oklahoma we're going to see long-term going forward. I think that's still a pretty darn good program with some decent coaches. Um, so I'm willing to throw that game out. We, th- that leaves us, we got a, we got a sample size of one. That's it. Yes. There's no way you make a decision off of that. When we're talking about the fact that I think it's going to be difficult to make a decision based off of one season with Mickey as the interim head coach. I mean, like I said, he takes us all the way through the end of the year. It's going to be hard to evaluate that. Because, I mean, again, those circumstances are difficult. Like, I, everybody asks me, what do you think of so-and-so as the head coach? And my answer is always like, ask me in five years. I'll tell you exactly what I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, this is a very important hire for Trev Alberts. It is, but at the same time, which, I mean, that almost makes me kind of wonder a little bit. Do you give Mickey a year? Like, literally, hey, we're just going to keep that interim tag on you. Take it into oh. another year and let's see what happens. I wouldn't take that because you need you want security. You, He's already under contract. Yeah, but not like Scott Frost money. True. I mean, at this point, you're going to say, well, no, I'm not going to keep an interim job because I want three to five years. If you're going to get rid of me, I need to walk out of here with 15 million bucks. That's what I would do. Well, yeah, I kind of have a hard time arguing against that. Yeah. So uh, Van writes in, and Van's a United States Marine Corps retired. He's in Emerald Isle, North Carolina. Okay. Um, he wants to know 
if we've circled the uh, the wagon with UNL athlete, Athletics to help cover up the fecal matter splattered by uh, Ronnie Green, Bill Moose, Scott Frost, Fred Hoiberg, and others inside athletics, he goes, yes, I did say Green. Why isn't anyone talking about the disaster uh, with the Regents and hiring Ronnie Green? Sure, he supposedly was all in hiring Trev Alberts, we are told, but look at what has happened to, to Nebraska since Green was hired. Does anyone care? And now Green is trying to deflect the, the shitstorm by promoting academic graduation rates. So I don't, you know, I've I've heard a rumbling of misgivings about Green here recently, and a lot of it kind of goes back to the whole, okay, they brought in Moose, brought in Frost, brought in Hoiberg. It's, it's you know, I'm hearing a lot of that kind of filtering up to Green. It seems a little misgiven because I look at decisions that Steve Peterson made. I look at decisions that Harvey Perlman that made. Harvey Perlman made. And these were guys who were dismantling programs that had a degree of success as opposed to trying to build up a program. I don't argue against the Frost or Hoiberg hirings because at the time those hirings Home runs! Absolute home runs. And I think anybody who did any kind of evaluation at the time considered those to be home run hires. And guess what? Sometimes home run hires don't pan out. No, I mean, they, they fall short at the warning track. Big time. And it's, yeah, so I don't fault Green on this because I think at the time it was one of those like, all right, let's get rid of I-Course. We're going to get Moose in here. We think we can talk Scott into coming back as head coach. And then, hey, if it doesn't work out with Tim Miles, fuck it, let's get the mayor in Lincoln. I mean, how awesome would that be? Everybody thought these were great decisions at the time, and the fact that they haven't panned out, or at least haven't panned out yet in Hoiberg's case, that's not because you had an, an, an administration or an administrator trying to dismantle something. I mean, when I look at Perlman uh, and Eichhorst in regards to Bo Pelini, keep in mind Bo Pelini, his average win I mean, it was like 10.2 wins a year. Yeah. Basically, it was 10 wins a year. It was 9.8, 10.1, something like that. If you went to any Nebraska fan and said, hey, we got this coach. I mean, he little guy gets pissed off on occasion, yells a lot. But shit, he's going to get you 10 wins a year on average. You taking that? Because I am. I'll take it with the spit flying into Adrian Martinez's face on the sideline at AM. and it, it it's it in I get why like 10 it, wins every year right now is better than what Iowa is currently doing and I'm not talking about just this season but I mean I'm talking about the last half dozen years. That's better than what Iowa's averaged, what Minnesota's done. That's better than what Wisconsin has averaged. And and let's get And by Pelini the way, did it for what seven seasons and we fired him because the administrators were like, yeah, we just don't like the look of and, this and we don't like this guy as a person, so we're going to shit can him. That's different than Ronnie Green sitting here and like Green sorry, I know it sounds I don't mean it this the pun the pun is completely unintended. But that's different than Ronnie greenlighting the hiring of Moose and Frost and Hoiberg thinking, hey, here's our chance to have a home run hire. Well, and let, let's back up and punt. It was Harvey Perlman 
who went behind Tom Osborne's back and hired Sean Eichhurst. Exactly. Right? Okay, so when Bill Moose was hired, again, people loved Bill Moose because he had a little divani in him. He had the gift of gab. He was going to go backslap. Yeah, you could go down to the bar and have a drink with him. He was a little old school. He People loved that until you started removing the peels of the onion. You're like, oh, this dude's got other problems. First of all, he's not here a lot. A, he... He rumored, allegedly, to drink a lot. So then you're like, but but you know what? He hired Scott Frost and Fred Hoiberg. There's no two better coaches at the time that you could have said, bang, you just hit the home run. Sit back and, and count the money and, yeah, and, and it's go. It's a complete apples and oranges it is. comparison to try and make that comparison yeah. with Ronnie Green to what we saw with Perlman and Eichhorst, Steve Peterson, et cetera. Yeah, it's, uh, I just don't think that's fair. But, uh, hey, I, I do want to ask you a question because Nebraska has scored on its opening drive, I think, in four or five games this year. But then they peter out. Why is that? Because they, they scored yesterday right away and then petered out for a while offensively. What what happens in, in You know, there? I don't know if there's anything really specific there. I think sometimes that's a little bit of a misguided way of looking at stuff. I mean, I, I I think Nebraska, if anything, I think it's a little bit of a tribute to the fact that, I mean, in any game, both offensive and defensively, there's going to be a little bit of a feeling out period because it doesn't matter how much film you watch. Always a good thing. Not saying it's not. But until you get out there and start literally slamming into each other, you really don't know exactly what you're going to get from yeah. that opponent. Um and so I think if you have a team that tends to have some very good athletes, especially at some key positions, it's easy to make some plays right off the bat. And I think you see that with Nebraska. And I say that in the sense, I think Casey Thompson's a very, very good athlete. Trey Palmer's a really good athlete. Anthony Grant's a really good athlete. Adrian Martinez was a really good athlete, is a really good athlete. I mean, Nebraska did well. I mean, that stat, I'd be interested to go back and look at the previous four years because I thought Nebraska did a pretty good job of scoring on their first or second possession under Martinez as well. It's easy to do that. Now, I think a lot of people talk about the whole concept of scripted plays where, hey, you know what, when when you don't know exactly what the defense is going to do and the defense doesn't know exactly what you're going to do, you'll have a set of plays that you'll kind of script out. Like, hey, we're going to start, here's 15 plays, we're going to run 10 or 12 of these as our first plays of the game because it's very well designed and we think it'll work against our defense. That does play in as well into the big picture, but I think it has more to do with the fact that if you've got some marginally better athletes than the opponent does, you're going to be able to do that. Once you get past that first series or two, they're able to adjust for that athleticism, make some schematic changes to account for it, and you're going to see a slowdown. Earlier in the week, or last week, should we say, the Board of Regents approved alcohol sales at Nebraska basketball games. Listen. It's a start. It's a start. Um, do you, and I, I'm going to be honest here. Do they just wait till Tom dies until they bring f- alcohol to the football stadium? I don't know. I think it's going to happen before then because I think you're going to see a couple things happen at some of these other sporting events. One, you're going to see the revenue that comes in. Two, 
you're going to see a lack of alcohol-related events. True. And, and that's the that's kind of the test case they're looking for with all of these. Trev very specifically did it at Big Ten Wrestling Championships in Lincoln this past year. And, and the thing that was impressive, there were two things that Trev commented on after that. One was the revenue it brought in. Two was the lack of alcohol-related events. And that's what they're going to be looking at. They're going to give it a try with basketball and they're going to see a lot of revenue and they're going to see a lack of alcohol related events, arrests, fights, public (laughs) drunkenness, things like that. And they're going to go, okay, this worked out just fine. And I think after they see that after one or two seasons in, in, in basketball, then you're going to see it move over into football no matter what. Well, and I agree with you because Creighton runs basketball just fine with alcohol. Uh, the it NCAA, has for years. The NCAA has realized, even because it did testing at the College World Series and realized that everything was almost better by selling alcohol in the stadium and not doing it on the outside. If you And again, most places that have done this, if you look at it, they all track alcohol-related events, arrests, so on and so forth. Almost universally, you see a lower number of alcohol-related events because you it removes sort of that binge impulse that people have. Hey, we're wrapping up the tailgate. We're heading into the stadium. We're going to pound a couple of beers. We're going to pound that margarita right before we go in because we're not going to have any more until maybe halftime. And so... People will binge drink a little bit more if they know they're not going to drink once you get inside the facility. I, my whole thing is you, you keep them inside the stadium. Once you're inside and you're selling alcohol, you don't get to, you don't get to leave at halftime. And that's the thing you you got to put some restrictions yep. on there. And I think most schools that do this, that is a restriction they build into it. Um, you know, people may or may not know this, uh, but Doctor Rob every year does a a family trip to Florida. I believe it's Sanibel Island. No, we we have gone to Sanibel. We go to St. George. Okay, but uh, when you see the destruction of Sanibel. Oh, it's brutal. They got just destroyed. So did St. George get hit at all? They did not. So it, it kind of, just north of Fort Myers, I mean, not even to Tampa, I don't think. It kind of cut northeast across, uh, it, it went and cut northeast across the state. Did a lot of damage, kind of cut through Orlando and that central part of the, sort of the, the Florida Peninsula back out into the ocean, and then it came back around and slammed into the Carolinas. And so sort of that whole North Florida panhandle section really got spared. And so that was, I, I mean, a big blessing, especially since my daughter goes to school in Tallahassee. Yeah. That section almost completely got, it was a complete miss by the hurricane. We've been to that Sanibel Captiva area uh, a handful of times absolutely just got destroyed i mean just got devastated uh i had a buddy last year he's from omaha uh packed up everything he ran the rude shrimp company if you ever had rude shrimp it was out uh in the old uh uh waterloo high school uh tj's his name him and his wife packed up went and started rude shrimp company down fort myers oh it's gone his restaurant is gone it's, I mean, so many businesses, homes, everything just got absolutely decimated down there. I mean, the videos that we're seeing now, and I mean, actually, one of my son's teammates at Augustana, uh, their family has a place down there that they just got. 
And so uh, they're actually it's a Cedar Falls, Iowa family, but they literally packed up a trailer, loaded it up with a whole bunch of supplies and are heading down this weekend to try and see if there's anything salvageable at all. Up next for Nebraska is going to be Rutgers. Uh, got their ass kicked yesterday against Ohio State. Did you see Ryan Day and Greg Schiano get into it? They, they kind of kick everybody's ass, but I saw that this morning, which I, I'll be curious to see what the conversation was because totally blatant out of bounds hit yes. on an Ohio cheap State. shot man total cheap shot by Rutgers against the Ohio State player it looked like it looked like Shano was coming across nothing other than to just get his players away from yes. the Ohio State sideline next thing you know Ryan he and did, Day yeah. are going at it. I, I really would love to see what the what the audio was on that. I don't think anybody's got it, but it'd be interesting to see if either coach had anything to say about it. Yeah. Otherwise, in college football, yeah, I guess the Oklahoma story is just fascinating. Of course, now lost two in a row since beating Nebraska. Everybody uh, does. It, I'll, watch this. Indiana's yeah. going to tank now that they've played Nebraska. Yeah. It's just uh, the ugliness rubs off on the opponent. Um. But yeah, just some interesting stuff. Uh, Ole Miss uh, over yeah, a lot of people. Are, you know, the, Lane Kiffin was complaining about Ole fans Miss still looking okay. They're, they're okay, but you know, a lot of people those, were like, "They beat who's it? Kentucky?" Uh, yeah, yep. it was a pretty solid Kentucky team. That was like the SEC version of the of the Nebraska coaching candidates right there with Lane and Mark Stoops. Chip Kelly has uh, UCLA uh, unbeaten. They beat uh, Washington. They beat Washington. Yeah. I never thought Chip Kelly was a bad coach. I actually, and actually, when he went to the NFL, which I thought was the worst move on the planet. Yeah, but he was going to be put on probation if he didn't. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> There's always a backstory here with it. But I actually thought he's a great college football coach. Um, and keep an eye on Texas AM. Jimbo Fisher is going to be under, he, he God, could get look- fired. Yeah, it's for a team that was sort of like a bubble national title contender this off season. They don't they don't wait very long down there. No, they do not. He was hired specifically to win a a national championship, and especially with the recruiting that oh. he supposedly is. Yes, I, I was going to say brought in, but maybe bought in might be the better way to phrase it. Um, that's I was going to say that's a that's one of those schools that always has a lot of pressure. This is, I mean, I get it. This is going back 20 years ago, but when they fired R.C. Slocum, that was kind of like their version of firing Solich. You had this guy who was like a 9-10 win year guy who's going to get you every so often at least an outside shot at, at playing for a national title. They were going to bowl games. They were getting recruits. They looked good on a national level. And then you fire the guy, and it's been sort of this – kind of this carousel down there ever since. I think the interesting game coming up is uh, going to be Oklahoma State and TCU. That's going to be played on the 15th. Um, again, right now, that again, not discounting what the Kansas schools are doing, but I think that's the that's sort of the de facto yep. Big 12 title game yep. right there. I would agree with you 100%. Um, what do you got planned this weekend or this week? Anything? Uh, back to work, and then, boy, you know what? We got homecoming. We got wrestling tournaments coming up. It's that time of year. That's It's busy, busy, busy. So if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel yet, please do so. Just search Doc Talk Sports. Give that subscribe and uh, give this video a like, too, because you're going to be able to see this on, on YouTube. If you like our Sorry Dave t-shirts, 
The link They're is fucking awesome. They the link is in the description in Podbean. The link is in the description on YouTube. Uh, it's a very simple process. Click order and it'll be shipped right to you. It's that simple, and they're high quality. They're not cheap, cheap cotton, one hundred percent cotton. These are these are really, really good they're t-shirts. Nice shirts. And there's four options up there, so you can get to buy all four if you want. If you really want to impress us, buy all four. If Post you, them. Post a picture. Yeah, and show us show us your orders. So again, we were challenged. They said, "There's no way you guys are going to sell forty t-shirts." I think we sell more. I do. I think we sell more I believe. t-shirts. Than that. Um, like our Facebook page. Follow Dr. Rob on Twitter. Follow subscribe me. on YouTube. And subscribe on YouTube. Follow me on Twitter at Travis Creates. Make sure to, when you do your sports betting online, use Betfred Sports. Download the app today. Uh, when you need a lawyer, uh, you call Connor Orr. And when you need to buy Husker gear, you go to Husker Hounds. It's that simple. We covered it all today. For Dr. Rob Zadiska, I'm Travis Justice. We'll talk to you next week on the Doc Talk Podcast presented by Betfred Sports. Betfred Sports.